Thanks for joining us today. I'm Rob Parker, lead pastor at The Plant Church. Our vision is to know Christ and make him known. If you are interested in getting connected or if we can help you in any way, email us at info at theplantchurch.org. Hey, Plant family, we are back. And this is our last sermon in our sermon series called Gear Up. Now, you know that I've been loving this sermon series because of all of the different props that I've been using every single week. It's kind of driving my wife crazy because my office is now having all of these different uh, relics hanging up in my office. And so you're saying, Rob, what are you holding in your hand right now? I am holding in my hand a replica of an ancient Roman spear, which is called a pillum. Now, why am I holding this spear in my hand? Well, I'm going to get to that, but let's, let's talk about the pillum for a moment. The pillum was a spear that was issued to every single soldier. Last week, we talked about how every soldier was issued a sword, a gladius, but they were also issued a spear called a pillum. A pillum was seven feet tall. Now, I'm 6'4", 6'3 and a half. I'm shrinking as I get older. But, but this is about seven feet tall, six and a half, seven feet tall. And it was about two and a half pounds. Both sides of the spear was pointed. It was made of wood and iron. And the reason that they were given spears was for, for two different reasons. One, so that they could be thrown at the enemy army to be able to break the lines and, of course, to plunge into soldiers, but it was also to, to hold off the enemy army as well. And so when we look at this, we see this weapon that is used to chuck ahead of the army to the opposing army to break, to break the ranks and to be able to allow them to advance forward. So where is the significance of a spear and the armor of God. You see, as a spear was to a soldier, so is prayer to the believer. And so what we're going to do today is we are going to study the last weapon that Paul talks about. Matter of fact, if you read Ephesians, you see how so much of Ephesians is soaked, is drenched in prayer. And so Paul gives us the last piece of weaponry, which is prayer. And I want us to begin this day by praying that God would wrap up this sermon series, that we would be able to gear up, to advance forward individually and corporately so that the gates of hell cannot prevail. Would you pray with me? Father God, I want to thank you for this time. And God, as I hold this pillum, this spear in my hand, I am reminded that, that prayer is a weapon to advance the kingdom of God. And God, I, I confess that this is one of those sermon series that, that I'm actually sad that's coming to an end. And so I ask you this day that we would be able to dive into this, this imagery of prayer in such a way that we as the plant would be a praying church, a church that was founded on a prayer, a church that plants in prayer, and a church that is, is girded in prayer. I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. 
I want you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 18. And, and again, this is a sad day. This sermon series is coming to an end. But, but I believe it's a sad day because whenever you've been empowered to do something, it's sad because you're thinking about what you learned, but it's exciting because what it's going to do for you in the near future. Ephesians 6, 10 through 18 it says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. Now remember that. Every time you read, you read Ephesians chapter 6, remember, put on the full armor. Just don't pick up the pieces that you are most comfortable with or, or you think you only need, but put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the what? Full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then, with a belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And this is what we're going to be focusing on today, this last verse. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Prayer, what is it? I have to say that as a church planter and as your pastor, I believe that prayer has been such an essential aspect of who we are as a church. We have lived and died by this, this theme that our denomination calls prayer is the primary work of God's people. But whenever we come to times of crisis or, or places of need or, or when we get kind of thrown off balance in our spiritual journey, we, we need to come back to, to what is primary, and that is prayer. Webster's Dictionary defines prayer simply as this, the ask of asking for a favor with earnestness. Asking for a favor. Hey, God, can you do something for me? Well, let me give you a little bit deeper, more solid definition of prayer. I love this definition of prayer. It says, prayer is essentially a partnership of the redeemed child of God, working hand in hand with God toward the realization of God's redemptive purposes on earth. Prayer has purpose. It's our ability to partner with God that he would act in both the present and the future. Prayer is what Paul talks about and what we see throughout all of Scripture that has the power, not just the ability, the power to change any situation. But I think when we talk about prayer, we need to really dive into what Paul is saying about prayer because it's more than, than asking for a favor. It's more than just believing that as, as a redeemed child of God that God's going to act. It's, it's us partnering with God. It's us intervening for others that God would change the circumstance. And there's a word for this kind of prayer. And if you've been coming to the plant for the last 12 years, you know this is a topic I have preached on multiple, multiple times. And the word for that is intercessory prayer. To intercede. What does it mean to intercede? It means to, to go between, to 
act between parties with a view to reconcile those who are in differences, who are contending against one another. That you as an individual are a mediator. To intercede means that you are connecting with God, interceding for others. Now, now take the Hebrew word for intercede, which is paga. It means to meet. So when we pray, what we are doing is we are meeting with God, interceding for others, that God would change their hearts or their circumstances. Now, this is where we need to see scripture. Where do we see throughout scripture the people of God interceding for others? Where they are going to God to be that mediator. We see this all throughout scripture. I want to give you some examples. In Genesis 18, Abraham interceded for Sodom, a city. We see in Genesis 32 that Moses interceded for the Israelites. We see in the whole book of Nehemiah that that Nehemiah interceded for God's people as he rebuilt the walls. We see in Acts chapter 7 that Stephen interceded for even his murderers. That while he was being stoned to death, he was crying out for the souls of those who were throwing the rocks. Have you ever prayed for those who are trying to defame you? Have you ever prayed for those who are trying to to cause problems in your life? Saul, in the midst of being put to death, he stopped and he prayed for those who both accused him and were putting him to death. But then we see Jesus, he prayed for his disciples. We we see how Jesus prayed for Peter before the betrayal. We see in in John chapter 17 that, that Jesus prayed for those who believed and those who would believe. You see, Even Jesus intercedes for us. We we, we read this in scripture, that Jesus prays for us. He goes to the Father for us. And we, like Jesus, pray for others because we believe, just like those individuals, that God has the ability to change the course of their lives. That's what I love about prayer, is that every time I go to prayer, that we believe that God will intercede. God will make a change. One of my favorite quotes about prayer is from Floyd Filson. He says, real prayer assumes not only that God exists, but also that God, that he can and does hear and answer the prayers of his people. Moreover, real prayer expresses the conviction that only in God is the source of the help that man needs. What a great quote. I really hope that you have a pen and paper with you and and you are kind of jotting these down because there is so much fullness in both the scriptures and the quotes that are are being spoken to encourage you and challenge you to, to press in knowing that God can change the course of anything. You see, prayer is a weapon to intercede with God to come against the powers of darkness enforcing the victory of Christ. And this is why prayer is a weapon of spiritual warfare. Let's look at this. Ephesians 6.12. So when we first started the sermon series, this is what we read. 
For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. We are not fighting with one another, no matter what you think is going on in our world right now, politically, economically, socially, and even medically. We're not supposed to be fighting with one another. We are supposed to be linking arms, praying for God to change the circumstance that we are currently in. And the truth of this is we're kind of sitting in our own mess. That's a reality. There are some things that we have caused these things to happen. There are other ones that are out of our control. But all we can do, instead of fighting with one another and pointing fingers at other people, we should be linking arms and praying that God will intercede. I love this quote by Peter Wagner, one of my favorite authors on prayer. Probably the most profound quote that I've ever read on prayer. It says, many people in your neighborhood and around the world, however, are not in positions to hear the gospel. No matter how brilliantly it is presented to them, because the God of this age has blinded their minds. So many people in our neighborhoods or even in our homes or at our vocations can't even hear the gospel no matter how creatively you present it. Whether you bring a a spear on stage or a sword on stage or shoulder pads on stage or really cool cleats on stage, they're so blinded right now by the enemy that they can't even hear the gospel. Why? Because There's an unseen battle that's going on. And prayer is our our ability to intercede for them. But Christians, let me speak this to you as well. Have you allowed the circumstances of what is happening around us to blind you to the sensitivity that you once had to the working of the Holy Spirit? Let me read to you 2 Corinthians 4.4. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments in every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. So what are these arguments? What are these strongholds that that we need to pray against, that we need to pray into so that the Spirit of God can demolish these strongholds? These strongholds are rooted in human mindsets, decisions, and choices. These strongholds are lies that the enemy speaks to us to confuse our identity and who we are as children of God. You see, this is what we have to realize, church. Prayer, it's not a choice. It's our responsibility as individuals and as the church, the body of Christ, to engage in so that we can come against the works, the schemes, the lies, the strongholds that the enemy has put on us. Because each one of us at some point in our lives have been manipulated by the evil one. But watch what Paul says. He says this about prayer. And pray in the spirit on all occasions 
with all kinds of prayers and requests. If you are holding a, a graphe, a book, the, the, the logos, I want you to underline this. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. If you're holding a tablet, just, just highlight it. You know, take your finger and go across it. Prayer in the Spirit. It's something that's supposed to be so simple, yet it sounds so complicated. So how do I understand praying in the spirit? Well, look at the spear. Check out this pillum. As a soldier, you are learned, you are to learn how to aim and how to have the trajectory and the velocity of throwing that spear. You are supposed to practice. And we first learn to practice anything like throwing a spear, not that I've learned to throw a spear or, or not. It, it's the perfect day, the perfect day. Just learn how to throw it as hard as you can to get to the target that you want to hit. But there's a problem. There's one thing that shifts the trajectory of the spear, and that's the wind. Throwing into the wind or against the wind. And it's important for that soldier that on a windy day to know exactly how to throw it off a little bit to the left or the right to make sure that they hit the target, how hard to throw it in order to hit the target that they are aiming for. Now, how does this even relate to prayer? In the Old Testament, the wind is called ruha. Say it with me, ruha. It's another word for the Holy Spirit. Jesus says this in John chapter 3, verse 8. The wind blows wherever it wants, but just as you can hear the wind, but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. This is one of the great mysteries. It's one of the great mysteries of the Holy Spirit is that, that we can sense him, but we can't physically see him. And Paul says, pray in the spirit on all occasions. So how do I kind of unpack this? As we pray, there's a responsibility to know that God is nudging us to pray for certain things that align with his desires. And when he nudges us to pray for certain individuals, even those individuals we don't want to pray for, he, the Holy Spirit, the wind, the Ruha of God, is nudging us to pray for a person or circumstance for a very specific reason. Jesus says this in John 14, 14. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Ask me Anything in my name and I will do it. So what does that mean? We have to learn to ask God for the things that align with the things that Jesus is desiring to do in our lives more than our, our selfish motives. Praying for those things that, that we know deep down in our soul are more of a disruption and distraction of our lives. We need to learn to align with the Spirit of God, the Ruha of God, that when God nudges us and we ask things in Jesus' name, we know they are part of God's will because they come to fruition and they happen. 
Look what Jesus' brother James wrote in James chapter 4, 3. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. It's kind of like that soldier taking his pillum and just chucking it wherever he wants. And the wind just kind of takes it and goes in the wrong direction. Like, oh, I missed the target. Of course you did. Because you forgot how to throw it. And so as we pray, there, there, there is an understanding of prayer that we take the spear, the requests that God has laid in our hearts. That spear may have a name of someone that you love deeply who is struggling spiritually or who is far from God. That spear may have a circumstance that's going on in our world right now that, that has it written all over it whether it be for the COVID virus or, or what's going on socially or politically or economically going on. But, but here's the thing. When we pray, we must align our prayers with the Spirit of God so that the ears of God will respond. So much of prayer is aligning with the heart of God to plunge into and disrupt the schemes of the evil one. Now, I want to begin to wrap up this sermon with, with a part of, of understanding what does it actually mean to pray in the Spirit. You see, so often we can learn to align ourselves with God. There's so, there's so many times that, that we have this holy nudge. I actually was just talking to someone last week who, who had a holy nudge that they needed to bring their child to the hospital, and that holy nudge was, was 100% correct because their child's appendix bursted, and they trusted that holy nudge. But sometimes there's this, this sense and this feeling that, that you don't know what to pray, but you know you're supposed to pray. There's those moments in our lives that, 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 that we almost have to take the, the praying in the spirit to a different place. It says in Romans 8, 26 through 27, it says, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father, who knows all hearts, knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. There are those times in my life, I remember being 20 years old, being in college, new to the faith, and I just started praying like crazy. I, I knew that prayer is what changed my life. I knew that those people before me that, that knew me, that, that knew that I was far from God, just prayed constantly and faithful, faithfully for me. And I know that it was prayer that changed my life. But there are times when I don't know what to say. There are times that, that I may weep, I may cry out, and honestly, the pain in my, in my belly, the pain in my soul is so hard that I just start groaning. And it's like the groaning actually turns into a language that I don't understand or could even explain to you, but, but the Holy Spirit is praying through me. Let me give you one example. It was about 17 years ago. I was on staff at Cornerstone Christian Church. 
And my family was going through some major medical situations with one of my children. And at the same time, there was some real stuff going on at Cornerstone that, that it was really an attack of the enemy. And I was praying and I was fasting and I, and I was saying everything that I could say out of my mouth. And I'll be honest with you, I don't pray in tongues all the time. I don't have these utterances that happen every single morning at 4 a.m. That's not really how it works. But I remember driving down Route 208 in New Jersey towards Fairlawn. And if you know Fairlawn, that there is a fire department on the highway of 208. And I was praying on my way home. I said, God, something needs to break. I don't know what to say. And God said, let me pray for you. And this language came out of my soul, this groaning that came out of my soul. And plant family, I, I kid you not, in that moment for, it seemed like eternity, but it was only a few moments, that heaviness, that burden, that situation vanished in a moment's time. I went home and within days, my child's health changed. Within days, the situation at Cornerstone changed. And it was literally as if the Holy Spirit threw me and I had no idea what he was doing, pushed into prayer, and I was just the vessel of prayer that changed the, the trajectory of both my child's health and the situation at Cornerstone. What's this called? Speaking in tongues. It's not some fancy thing that we need to do in the middle of a service and bring people up and, and coerce them to doing it. It's a heavenly language that God wants to speak through us to change the trajectory of what's happening. I just want to read you two thoughts that I've, I've had about this. Tongues is a term used for God's words being uttered from our mouth to God's ears that he can only understand. It's a holy moment that's undefinable, yet has the power to create a defining moment. It's something that's undefinable, but yet has the power to create a defining moment. The Holy Spirit prays with us and for us to the Father's heart. Prayer is not just some simple asking God for a favor. Prayer is interceding with God, going before God, to the heart of God, for the people of God. And what we need to learn to do is, through the Holy Spirit, align ourselves so that we would live in the motives and the agendas of God's kingdom. And that's probably the hardest part of prayers because when we start praying, we, we have selfish moments. Trust me, I have them. I have a lot of selfish moments in my prayer. But when I align myself with the nudge of God through the spirit of God, it seems like every time I pray that way that I'm taking prayer, whatever that name is on that spear, and I am throwing it, and the wind of God, the ruha of God, hits that target every single time. Daniel fasted and prayed for three weeks. But it says in Daniel that the moment he started praying, God's ears were opened to hear what Daniel had prayed for. Prayer is our weapon to engage the heavenly realms to go before us. The Father longs to intercede. The Spirit will allow you to hit the target as you learn to pray alongside him. 
And Jesus has our back. He's praying with us. He's praying for us. And he's cheering us on. So let me wrap up this sermon and this sermon series. Intercessory prayer is where we, you and I, the church, mediate between God and humanity for the purpose of reconciling the world to God. What an amazing task. God invites us to be part of his reconciliation plan. People of God, more than ever, I think we need to grasp that God has created us for such a time as this. And remember, that comes from Esther. Esther had a choice to step into that time or to walk away. Church, I'm stepping in. And I invite you to put on the full armor of God to gear up, to put on your belt, to put on your breastplate, to put on your shoes, to put on your helmet, to pick up your your shield, to put on your sword, to hold your spear. And let's go to war for the hearts and souls of humanity. So how do we pick up our spears? First, we pick it up. As Paul tells us, he says, pray in all occasions. People of God, start practicing prayer. You want to know what I do when I am most confused? I take my 18-minute my drive from my house to Mawa. I turn off my radio for a month, and all I do is pray, and I pray because I need to recalibrate myself. I pick up the spear, and I start praying. Prayer is the primary work of God's people. Let me change that phrase. Prayer is the primary responsibility of the people of God to bring kingdom transformation. Church, prayer is to us as the spear is to the Roman soldier. Second, we need to identify the right target, who is the enemy. And this is what we do through prayer. We align ourselves, we align our motives, we align ourselves with the presence of God that is the Holy Spirit to clearly show who that enemy is. And when we recognize that enemy properly and our motives are aligned with God, we're going to hit that target every single time. Know this, God will take out the enemy. God, through your prayers and the power of the Holy Spirit, will plunge the enemy. Why? Because it says in Scripture, no weapon formed against you will prosper. Christ is our victor. That's why we can pray. The Spirit gives us our coordinates and how to pray. And God is the one who plunges the work of the evil one. Plant family, put on your armor. Pick up your shield, your sword, and your spear. And together, let's head into battle. And let's practice going into battle as we go into this song of worship, knowing and believing that in Christ, we are victorious. Let's worship together. It's been a good eight-week journey together. Know this plant family. 
that every battle that God calls you to engage in, as you gear up, you are empowered to win. And in Christ, you will always win. Remember this plan, family. We are praying with you and we're praying for you. Have an amazing day. It was great having you with us today. We do hope that this sermon inspired you to know Christ and make him known. For more sermons and resources, please visit us at theplantchurch.org.